Welcome to another episode of the Pedestrian Podcast. Myself, Stuart Court, is joined, as ever, by the uh, the James May to my Richard Hammond, Mr. Adam Nathan. How are we, sir? I'm good, mate. Look, last <laughs> last podcast, obviously, big one. Seahawk captain. It's not that's a pretty big deal, but yeah. doesn't even pay it pales into insignificance with the the level of you know the status that the uh, the current guest today is joining us with so I'm I'm a little nervous I'm not going to lie I don't know <laughs> if we can do it to you I, I don't know if we can do it I mean no there's no pressure on the guest because our last one photoshopped us so there's no pressure how this how this week's guest uh, helps publicize this pod join us as ever is one of our favorites one of our pals of the podcast Mr Jackson Bevins how are we sir oh, I'm so good man thanks for having me back on fellas not no, no, uh, no worries. Not a lot, really. Well, a few things have happened. There's been a few comments of note. Pete Carroll and Josh and I have both spoken this week, but there seems to be Jackson that maybe something was shaken up in the meeting room with Jody Allen, or is that giving far too much credit when you've put into context of the hires of Sean Des- Desai or Desai? Sorry, pronunciation has not caught me up yet. And uh, his, com- his comments the other day about how they. Um, we're a bit arrogant. It seems to be that something was shaken up in the Vulcan boardroom, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, of course, it would be amazing to get a recording of that meeting and really see what the <laughs> dynamic to hear, to hear Pete and John tell it. It sounds like ownership was not pushing for these changes, or at least not these specific ones. Um, but that Pete, he, he sounds like he was really self-reflective about the defense. And, you know, one of the things I said on my podcast last week was I, if I could only see one change from this team, this off season, philosophically, it would be on defense because it's been really hard for me to watch a defense that even though, and this sounds so silly, even though they've been so good at limiting points, they've been so boring to watch. And they don't sack the quarterback. They don't turn the ball over. And these are two things that, I mean, every defensive coach wants, of course, but that Pete Carroll really, really wants. You know, it's all about the ball. He he has prioritized creating turnovers and disruption so much. And that just hasn't been there for like three or four years now. And, you know, some of it's personnel, right? They've They've played it pretty cheap as far as pass rushers go. Um, they've prioritized some positions, you know, top of the market guys at safety, top of the market guys at middle linebacker, um, you know, that aren't the most disruptive positions, but philosophically they have been content to let teams get three to six yards at a time and then hope to make stops on third down and in the red zone. And they've generally been pretty good at that, but every single game this year, they get had at least one drive where the opponent had 12 or more plays. And in most of the games, it was more than one drive. So you give up two 12 to 15 play drives. That's a quarter of football that your offense is not on the field. And it's just really, really difficult to just watch that week after week after week. So to hear Pete admit some arrogance in his scheming and the need for change, and then to back it up, by going out and getting three really bright minds. Um, I know Clint Hurdle is, it sounds like he is totally beloved by the defensive guys in that locker room. Um, you know, and, and the two guys they brought in were definitely being uh, pursued elsewhere. So, so I, I think it's going to be really fun. And, and what it signals to me is a willingness to change, which right or wrong, I have not, thought Pete Carroll was anymore so that's that's really encouraging beyond just the defense for me yeah and also Clint Hurt was I think was the Miami DC job back in college football as well he was talked about with that as well Uh, Adam Jackson talk to me about your kind of projection and your your rise and 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 dips and peaks and troughs uh of the season let's kind of use a bit of dramatic license and say that we're we're still in last season so you joined us just before the season started, spirits were in the sky. You then yep. joined us halfway through the year, and we were, we were dipping. <laughs> we, we were dipping. 
Um, we then saw you in set for the San Francisco game and threw on a hell of a twister. Um, oh. So, you know, spirit, spirits were well in the sky. Spirits there, were definitely not, there. Not necessarily all football related. <laughs> and then I feel like we had a bit of a convergence because my personal views have kind of gone quite a bit down. Uh, and yours, I feel like after the last couple of games of the season, peaked back up to the point yep. where you were kind of team run it back. Um, I'm, I wasn't. I still kind of feel there's part of me that like we're, we're in it now. So whatever. There's still part of me that kind of would like to see the other side of the grass. Is it greener? Is it not? But hey, but if I'm kind of Mel Brooks in Blazing Saddles and, I, and I've got my pen, help me in with this. Help me in with this. Help me in with this. Like Jackson, help help me see the light on why my spirit should be kind of a, a Bevan's level because I'm not there yet. No, you know, I think and I think that's OK. Um, I I am only recently optimistic about this team and and it took it took two games of everything really coming together in a row and sure the lions suck and yeah the cardinals really faltered towards the end whatever they scored 89 points in two games that is something that had only been done three times in the nfl in the previous five years was at least 89 points in consecutive weeks so, and we're talking about like the McVay Rams and the Andy Reid Chiefs. So we got to see what it was supposed to look like. And it's interesting, you know, if the season started off like that, you know, or if those two games came somewhere in the middle, then maybe we feel differently about it. But it's what we carry into the offseason. We saw the defense force turnovers and get sacks. We saw the rushing game be explosive. I'm not anti-run. I'm anti-running a lot when you're not running well. And that's been the frustrating thing for me. I would love to run the football a bunch if they're running it the way that Rashad Penny was down the stretch. And I don't see – I went back and watched a lot of those last two games. I don't see a lot in there that was fluky. Um, it it was all happening by design. And, and, that, and we saw a healthy Russell Wilson again. You know, and that can't be understated. So I would have been fine if they had gone in a different direction with the coach this year. Um, but I also do think this is the year that decides it. I mean, we cannot overlook how bad the vibes were this past season. I mean, with Russell Wilson getting hurt, it really makes things tough. And I don't, I think there's a lot of other issues. But those issues seem to be getting resolved in that last month of the season. And I think, I think this is it for Pete and John. And I think they've earned a chance to bring it back one more time. And the thing is, is like Pete always pulls me back in, in the off season. He is just an absolute <laughs> out of 10 at stuff. The press conferences, the leadership, the enthusiasm, the way he talks about his players, like it's all perfect. And whoever comes in after Pete, hopefully they're better September through January, because that's ultimately what we care about. But it is a guarantee they will not be as good as Pete is February through August. <laughs> and then also you match what Pete says to how Chris Ballard talked about Carson Wentz two days ago, and you're like, that's a right. that's a different different uh, universe of there. Uh, uh, but oh. like, we talked about running it back. There still is the cloud hanging over because there's still the Russell Wilson. Obviously, Mike Florio is taking some flack today because he tried to pump the air back into those tyres a little bit with his post about um, Pete and, what Pete and John said yesterday. But that's still a question because the person who controls it really isn't really shifting from his, well, it's not me, it's them, when it is on him and Russell Wilson, Adam. Yeah, I mean, I've got a bit of a rant brewing, I think. So... <laughs> uh... Russell Wilson is really pissing me off at the minute, um, and, and I think in in the in the main because he's a complete narcissist, and and I honestly yeah, and there are a, a lot of these top quarterbacks are so I don't I almost don't blame him for it, but it's just annoying to kind of watch it play out in front of your eyes with your guy. He controls the entire way this goes. He can st- stand up and say, "Oh, Washington <clears throat> Commanders." Oh, yeah, loads of my friends are calling me, which is a lie because he definitely doesn't have loads of friends. Um, and and say like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I want to stay in Seattle. He could very easily just shut this down in one go. And 
a i think if ever the you know the leadership vacuum in seattle showed up it's with this because we're 14 months into this saga and it's still being talked about which is it's borderline corporate negligence like for someone so high up in a position that russell wilson holds in the business and like for me russell's just like flirting with other teams and like he's going to spend the off season with Kim Kardashian and Lala Anthony again, like just flirt with them. Stop flirting with other NFL teams because I'm getting pretty pissed off with it, Jackson. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that was really frustrating for me last off season. To be clear, I don't believe Russell Wilson is going anywhere. I don't think he wants to go anywhere. I, I actually think he's been pretty forceful about uh, saying that this off season. Whereas last year he was really coy when asked that. And, and I really think that was just him trying to put, and it's not my favorite way to go about handling your business, certainly, but I think that was him trying to put pressure on the organization to involve him more in the offensive philosophy, to invest more up front, um, to get him some playmakers, all the things that every quarterback wants. And, and I didn't really love how he did it, but, this year he's been pretty direct. Uh, you know, he's been asked straight up, you know, what's the plan? Where do you want to be? And he's like, I want to be in Seattle. I want to win three more Super Bowls in Seattle. I love it here. I don't want to go anywhere. But every time that happens, you get Florio. I mean, his tweet today was ridiculous. Was. <laughs> you saw you saw the interviews, Pete Carroll and John Schneider, and they're like we're not trading Russell Wilson. Like, they're just like, we're not going to do it. And they're like, well, are you getting calls? And they're like, yeah, of course we get some calls. Every time there's a media story, we get calls about it and we're going to hear them out. I have relationships in the league. I'm not just going to hang up the phone. And so Mike Florio is like, twist that into saying like the Seahawks are, are basically dangling Russell Wilson. And it's like the gymnastics necessary to get to that conclusion from what is actually being said by the decision makers is irresponsible and and i get it but talking about aaron Rodgers and russell wilson and what teams they might go to drives more content than any other topic in the nfl offseason like nothing else is going to get as many people clicking on articles and all that stuff as talking about russell wilson maybe going to this team like some you know what was it Chris Sims is like you know the Jets send Zach Wilson to Seattle and the Seahawks send Russell Wilson and a third round pick to the Jets who says no and it's like fucking everybody but the Jets says no to that like what are we doing here but then all of a sudden now they're talking about it on pardon the interruption should the Jets trade their Wilson for Seattle's Wilson what would it take for this, uh, you know, this deal to come through? How would you have to work the salaries and all this stuff? It's like, guys, it's just it's just one analyst throwing out a hypothetical. And now it's like, oh, hey, is he going to the Jets? So I think it's on us a little bit to just have some discernment when we read this stuff, when we hear this stuff and just understand that right now it is all about manufacturing traffic and I'm not really seeing anything from Russell this offseason that has me worried about him last offseason was a different story Adam I was feeling a little bit more than like you are now I'm probably being a bit overly like he's not necessarily endeared himself that much to me in the last year with some of the the antics and the Instagram posts which is fine I'm probably just a bitter Englishman uh in a sea of you know look at the sunshine behind you Jackson yeah that, that that's that's there's no wonder you're at your spirits uh, <laughs> so high but you know when it's like i hope to be there well you don't need to hope anything because you have a no trade clause um and i find myself in a position where like if i woke up tomorrow morning and i saw that russell wilson signed a new six-year contract my reaction would be huh and if i woke up tomorrow morning and i saw that russell wasn't been traded my reaction would be huh like <laughs> i just don't feel i just feel like i'm i don't know i kind of feel like we're being um we're being made to feel grateful by Wilson or for Russell Wilson being our quarterback. And I don't feel that was the same with the other superstars we had when they were here. Some of them have sounded off since and, you know, they've said all kinds of crazy stuff. But I feel like 
we're encouraged to feel grateful to R- Wilson for sticking around. And I don't know, I'm getting a bit tired of that. Yeah, I, I, sure. I, I, I've had a thing written, it's, I'll probably know I'm going to press publish on it for weeks. It the, the only reason, I think we've talked about you as well, Jackson, before, but it's, it's legacy. He's obsessed, probably rightly, like Adam says, most quarterbacks, most people, most sportsmen, most athletes in his position would be obsessed, but he's obsessed with legacy. The only reason yes. he hasn't come out and said the words... I want to leave. I want to be traded directly in, or not even, even or more directly than he possibly ha- did last year. Is that it would decimate what is already a somewhat tenuous, weirdly tenuous, weirdly. I don't know. It's just a, it's an unsustainable thing. It's just, that's, I'm, I'm convinced that's, that's the only reason he hasn't said it because he's just he knows that it would just tarnish absolutely everything that he's. He's built up over the past 10, 12 years. But also Bruce Arians was on the Pat McAfee show the back end of last week, and he was talking about Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and what separated them from the other people he he's coached. And he the thing he said that they were just alphas, complete alphas. The minute they walked in the building at 6 o'clock in the morning, day one in like April, May, June. And we've talked to Adam on this podcast um, since we invented podcasts in 2017 that um, – <laughs> uh, there's like there's, the, the locker room seemed to lose something when everybody left and the reason that it lost everything is because the quarterback in comparison to two of the, the two goats of the position doesn't seem to have that alpha presence with the Bobby Wag it's like it's Bobby Wag and DK Metcalf they seem to be the alpha dogs in that locker room when with Brady with Manning with those successful dynasties with those successful Hall of Fame first ballot careers, it was on. The, it was a quarterback who, who was the Pied Piper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Brady is Brady is the best. I mean, you're talking about the two best quarterbacks of all time, and yeah. Ru- Russell Wilson is not on mm. their level. To to be clear, mm. um, you know, no no one's gonna probably out alpha either of those guys. I I do think that the locker room that Russell Wilson was drafted into was very unique when it, when it comes to non quarterback personalities, you would be hard pressed. I think to find very many teams in the history of the NFL with as many hall of fame caliber players in on the team at one time, much less players who are that outspoken, that alpha as I mean, you're talking about Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman and Marshawn Lynch and Cam Chancellor and Bobby Wagner and Michael Bennett. I mean, these are big, loud, forceful dudes. And and that is hard. That that is hard. And I would have loved to have seen Russell Wilson come in and be the man immediately. But that it took it a, a while for that to be his team. And and I don't I think I think he and Bobby probably share split that locker room leadership at this point. I I think Russ is pretty universally respected and and admired by that team, but everybody everybody that's in that locker room now joined either at the same time as Russell Wilson in the case of Bobby Wagner, everybody else came after him. So Wilson was already the man when everyone else showed up. That was already established. Um, but yeah, that was a, a real uphill battle he had um, back in those days. And 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 frankly, when you got guys like Doug Baldwin and Richard Sherman, Marshawn Lynch, making at best veiled taking veiled shots at you, that's a really tough spot to be as as a young quarterback. And I do think Russell handled all of that pretty well. Adam, yeah, I mean. I- I can't can't deny with any of that. I think we should moving on from that. Jackson, you mentioned that you uh, you have a podcast, and it's a really cool like niche underground podcast. You know, all the listeners should, should check it out. You may not have heard of it, but yeah, it's, it's decent. You should definitely check it out. Um, but what, one of the things that I love, and it's my it's one of the favorite podcast attributes of anyone that I listen to, is you don't necessarily talk about results. You talk about the process. So what was the process, 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 what am I doing? What was the process behind signing Jamal Adams? Was that good process by the team? And 
it's so refreshing to hear that. And I know it's a small thing, but I feel it's important to pick up on it because it is appreciated because you can't always look at the end game. You have to look at what were the steps that it took to get us there. Um, and we're heading into probably the most divisive time in all Seahawk fandom uh, from a process standpoint of free agency. Um, yeah. There is a lot of money to be spent, but that money can be very quickly eaten up by paying their own guys. Yes. Everyone talks about line of scrimmage, and I think that's absolutely right. And I think process point of view, my view would be if you can't draft a safety in the second round who could be as good as Quandre Diggs, if you can't draft the cornerback who one day could be as good as DJ Reed, should you be leading the team in drafting? Like this is how you're supposed to build teams. And I, I would plow all that money into the front. Like they've spent a lot on the credit card and unfortunately something has to give. And for me, the secondary would go before the line of scrimmage. That's my process. H how would you approach this off season in terms of free agency? I know it's a, a, a big question, but one thing I have noticed is that all the Seahawk fans are talking about is free agency. As if the draft is like, we've already punted the draft because we're shit at that. Like, that's not good process. That's where we need to get the guys. And free agency needs to be a bonus to supplement that. So that's where I'm getting a bit frustrated right now because my process is that the free agency needs to be at the front and the draft has to be at the back. Um, but that's how I'm looking at it anyway. But I'd, I'd love to know your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I was going to say, you're you're sounding downright American there for a second saying process. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you corrected Yeah, thank goodness. I felt unwell. <laughs> with us, with our freaking backwater version of your language. But uh, as, far as, as far as the process behind, I'll, I'll start with the Jamal Adams uh, trade. I didn't mind it because I, you know, I didn't think it was like an amazing deal, like no brainer. It was obviously extremely high risk, but we have to remember this was a team that felt like it was a Super Bowl contender. And we all felt like they were a Super Bowl contender, you know? Um, and they started off looking amazing, winning their first five games and starting out six and one, I believe it was. And, and it all looked like it was coming together and the secondary had been really, really struggling. It was a weak spot. They had a chance to go out and get a 24-year-old killer. And the assumption was that just like the previous 10 years, they were going to be drafting at the back end of the first round. So you're essentially trading two late first-round picks, which is a tough place to draft from because there aren't 32 first-round talents in an NFL draft. It was like 15 to 20. So if you're drafting beyond that, unless one of those guys slips to you, it's tough. You're giving first round contracts to second round quality players. And I didn't mind moving late firsts for Jamal Adams. What it does do is it, it puts you at risk of a season like this where Russell Wilson gets hurt. Everything just tumbles. And instead of picking 10th, you're not picking at all. Like this is a chance to really go out and draft an impact guy. Um, and, and they lost that because of the trade. So I thought the process was fine, but there was a lot of risk involved. And we're seeing that now. We're, we're seeing this is what couldn't have happened, right? This makes the trade feel like a loss. Um, there's a lot of really smart people that think it was bad process and that those picks are more valuable because of all of the money that you save. Um, but they've tried to draft these safeties and they've, they haven't. They haven't been able to. Tedrick Thompson and Delano Hill, I mean, Marquise Blair might, might be great who knows but they haven't been able to draft these guys and they have had success with bringing in Quandre Diggs you know that was a great trade bringing in DJ Reed all these things like they've really struggled um drafting secondary players ever since the LOB days mm -hmm. so you know Trey Brown looks like a real player and you know obviously would love to see DJ Reed stick around and and I thought Sidney Jones looked really good by the end of the season. So they've got some things going on there. But yeah, I, you know, I, I was fine with it. I would call it like a 50-50 type of deal. I don't think that the book is written on that trade yet either. Um, I think we're going to see a much different usage of Jamal Adams this year. It's what all the defensive coaches have been talking about. Like they're all so excited to use a player like him because he is so unique. So I, th I do think the jury's out on that one a little bit, but it's not the early returns are not great on that trade. Um, and yeah, they, they have been spending on the credit card and I think that they're going to try really hard 
not to do that this year. Um, for the first time, they actually have some money. They got about 50 to $56 million to spend, depending on what site you look at. But a lot of that is presumably going to be gobbled up, or at least they're going to attempt to use a lot of that to keep Diggs and keep Reed and keep Dwayne Brown and, you know, Rashad Penny and, and a lot of these players. And I would love to see all of them back. And is that irrespective of finances? Yeah. So, so that's, that's kind of the wait, the wait and see. I mean, if they can do all of that and have $20 million left over, then cram that into the offensive or defensive line is, and, and not like bring in five players at 4 million each. I mean, go get two studs, you know, get spend high for a good interior lineman at eight, 9 million a year and a good guard at 11 or whatever. Right. Like you can get really good players um, with that money, but if they don't end up resigning some of these guys, then yeah, go, go get the horses. Like that is just, they've tried so long to avoid paying around the ball and, and it just hasn't worked. They have not been able to spin straw into gold the way that Pete Carroll truly believed that he could. So um, it's, I, I don't think you'd make any more Percy Harvin, Jimmy Graham, Jamal Adams deals. I think those days are behind us. I think they should be behind us. I don't mind them taking those swings, but now you have to build for longevity. And I think, I think that in the long term, this season may have been um, really beneficial to the overall outlook of the franchise because it did show how fragile their roster had gotten and how top heavy the roster was. And, and I think they realize now we need to have some financial prudence. We need to spread our talent out a little bit and hopefully invest closer to the ball. I, I do think we're going to see a shift in philosophy from this team, this front office, this offseason, which is really great. I did think find it interesting that John Schneider said he wasn't planning on doing any void years or restructuring any contracts this offseason, which if true, is surprising given that Bobby Wagner is scheduled to make $16 million this year and he's not going to get $16 million from anyone else. So you would think he would be open to doing a restructure, but it does sound like they want to get their bottom line tight again and then move forward after this year with big contracts coming for DK and Russ to really have all of that in order before they start uh, stroking those checks. Yeah, it also it does really. I was going. That's the next point I was going to make. It does sound like um, Bobby Wagner is probably not long for Seattle. Adam. Yeah, I'm interested in both of your thoughts on this because I wonder how high the rest of the league would be on him. If you look at how low the league was on KJ Wright, who probably had a better season the year before he left than Bobby did last year, uh, you know, tackles aside. But I mean, the, the tackles thing, I think is a bit of a misnomer because like Jackson was saying, I think last year's defense was as turgid and boring as you could ever imagine. And just yep. getting lots of tackles is actually not an indicator of anything particularly good happening. It just means you're on the, on the field way too much. And maybe you're yes. wasting the good stuff he can do because he has to tackle the running back seven times every fucking drive, which is a complete right. waste of time. But um, I was on Rob Staten's podcast on Saturday and he is very much Bobby Wagner needs to go. No extensions. Forget what you can bring him back for. Like you, he goes $20 million and you start again. Well, I'd, love to, I'd love to know both of your thoughts on that. Cause I can't quite get there just yet. I'm not, I'm not quite there either, but boy, does George Brooks make that look a lot more doable now? Doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. That guy is a stud. That guy is a studs stud. Like, I think that kid has Hall of Fame potential. And we saw in the last two games without Bobby Wagner, he didn't miss a beat. He was ready to run that defense. So he does give them some flexibility there. And you know what? They didn't bring KJ right back. And I wouldn't be shocked if they don't bring Bobby back. And middle linebacker is not a position that unless you have Fred Warner, you need to be paying 16 million dollars to like that you can find good middle linebackers for a lot less than that yeah i mean 
the Rams don't have a middle linebacker and just won the Super Bowl. So right. um, the, yep. the thing, I think the one yep. thing, the one thing with Bobby Wagner is it's Bobby Wagner, and I think you said before Adam that Sherm, Earl, Bennett, Averill, Doug, yep. they all left Marshawn, all left not under a cloud, but they just weren't here anymore. So it's 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 just for sentimentality reasons. It's just if it's it's a hard thing to like get on board with but mm-hmm. yeah I, mean, I, I think if you watched out of context Bobby Wagner's 2021 season then you're like yeah yeah you don't pay that 60 million but then you say, oh, you need to house someone that's Bobby Wagner he's been here for a decade he's doing this and that once he's retired in Seattle and Ring of Honor and all the rest of it then you go yeah I think that's the only like hurdle to jump for me I think it's but the sentiment, obviously you can't make decisions at $60 million on sentimentality, but yeah, it's just, that that's the, that's the only like drawback for me. But yeah, as, yeah. as Jackson said, Jordan Brooks looks primed, ready. And yeah, he's, you, you hope, but the thing with that is, is, is when Jordan Brooks moves into the 54 breach uh, from 2022 onwards, is who's going to move into the Jordan Brooks breach outside because that is where there isn't anybody really that's true yep yep that's very true and and i think the answer to that is is going to be dependent on what what scheme we see um clint hurt has been pretty open about his love for running a 3-4 defense which would be a very interesting change um but i could see it because by by running a 3-4 that creates something that, that creates more of an opportunity in my mind to bring Jamal Adams up and Jamal Adams might be your edge now. Mm. And I could see them getting more creative with that and, and having him as a bit of a switchblade player um, like Tyron Matthew has been for a lot of his career or a Buddha Baker, uh, a Shaq Thompson. These, these are guys that in the hands of the right coach can be absolute game wreckers. So yeah, I'll, I'll be, curious to see if they go for a traditional outside linebacker or if we don't see something more of a hybrid situation uh, on either side of Jordan Brooks. Yeah. And also the, outside of Jamal, the only other defensive player who was talked up massively by Pete and Clint Hurt was um, especially Pete yesterday again was Daryl Taylor, who obviously was the theme of the weird end to his end of season press conference uh, in December, January, but he he basically said he's like this this new Seahawks defense. If it in inverted commas new, um, the avatar for it, Adam. Yeah, that was interesting, and you mentioned how he sort of tailed off into the off season with that very strange press conference. I guess look, tape and schemes. I think is well advertised. Is not necessarily my uh, my strong point, and I'm strictly a vibes guy when it comes to this. Um, but as far as I can tell, when it gets to a three four there's even more of an emphasis on finding the other guy on the other side um, as the other sort of effective outside linebacker. Um, and yeah, when we talk about the free agency money, presumably if there was $10 million to spend, that's where you'd want to funnel it, Jackson, to, to give the, you know Daryl Taylor someone on the other side. And as I think your mate Dick Fain said on the radio, every play, you leave the huddle, say, I'll meet you at the quarterback. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's, I just, you know, uh, we had Shio Kapadia on the pod. He's the senior NFL writer for The Athletic. He's a great show. I talked football with. And he said something that stood out from him from the first time he ever interviewed Jim Harbaugh about defense. And as we all know, the Ravens are consistently one of the best defensive teams in the NFL. Um, they got absolutely ravaged by injuries this past year, but uh, prior to that. And his philosophy was whatever happens it's going to happen quickly we're either going to end this drive turn the ball over sack the quarterback or we're going to give up a big play but whatever happens it's going to happen quickly and that got my dick so hard i was <laughs> i was like yes give me that man throw some caution to the goddamn wind and go get the football and you know what yeah we don't see the Seahawks get beat deep ever great fucking great you know what I'd, I'd give up four long touchdowns a year if it meant we were getting more sacks and more turnovers and getting the offense back on the field where they're not sitting on the sideline for 30, 35 minutes. So 
I, I hope that that there is an attack mentality present moving forward that I feel has been absent in the last few. Yeah, and also like the, with Jim Harbour and that Ravens, they do it with just a rotation of guys that not many people outside of Baltimore and the keener observers could name. I mean, I couldn't name, I couldn't tell you who was their leading sack guy last year. I mean, Calais maybe got quite a few, but um, but yeah, yep. like it's just that that it's just it's like the no name defense is kind of it's fine, but the no names have to produce other than the no names on the Seahawks defense pass rush haven't. I mean, I mean, I don't think last time I heard Kerry Hyder's name is when he signed in March. So, yeah. but, then, but then I guess you know we're going to enter a position where you could sell anyone on. You got to bring back Rasheem Green. You got to bring back. Al Woods and yeah, like if the price is right, then great. But I think my 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 fear is that they're going to prioritize that. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's a good signing at a certain price, right? Hmm. And and it's it's so easy to get caught up in in the names. Um, One thing that I I do think, you know, Adam, you mentioned your frustration with the draft recently, and boy, I am right there with you, man. I do think the last two drafts are going to acquit themselves pretty well. Mm-hmm. And, I agree. and I, I do think we've seen some elasticity in the philosophy that they've taken into the draft. I mean, look, we want, we want our coaches systems, philosophies, schemes to shift as soon as we're ready for them to shift. Forgetting that these guys got to the absolute pinnacle of their professions coaching and GM by doing things this very this very way they want a Super Bowl doing it this way it's going to take some time to turn that battleship around and you have to marry it with the um, the the roster that you have so I, I do think starting two years ago we started to see uh, a little bit of flexibility they drafted Trey Brown who is a short cornerback that that was unheard of before, right? Daryl Taylor looks like he's going to be a really good player. You know, I don't know that he's going to be an all pro, uh, you know, that's the hardest position in the NFL probably to make it as an all pro at, but he's going to be really good, I think. And obviously DK has been great. And, you know, uh, Damian Lewis, like there's some real impact players that they brought in in the last few years that I, I think are going to have really nice NFL careers. So, um, I'm, I'm a little bit more optimistic about that as well. So yeah, it's going to be really curious to see how they build moving forward, but I'm pretty encouraged by the fact that they are showing a willingness to adapt in ways that we've been banging the table for them to do for a number of years now. Yeah. I, I think this off season is going to be that they, they sign, bring back their own, their own that they can afford. And then as you say, Jackson, they kind of believe that the last two years is them, uh, back in there, like niche, back in there, back on their game, back in there, like the 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 hot streak of of drafting again, and they're just going to twist themselves to deliver because they they are going to have I don't know how many picks they're going to have currently in the draft, but they're going to have more than they had last year. This everyone who's talking about the draft said it's it's a draft where you need like the later picks. It's all about the depth. There's no real top end talent. I mean, Aiden Hutchison's going to go in the top five, which is just wild because yes um uh but yeah so it, I, I think that's gonna how they're gonna approach i think the, the first name you're probably gonna see across the line the, the first name to watch for all that is gonna be dwayne brown because they i just don't again because of the jamal trade and the second first round pick there's no one gonna be around in the areas of seal so you 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 could immediately right. trust to come in day one and be the left tackle protecting we expect Russell Wilson. And that's why I think they're going to end up spending a lot of their money on these yeah. guys. Is because they're not, they're, they're not available in the draft, right? It's going to be hard. You're not going to get a left tackle at pick 41. Most likely they is a day one starter. You're not going to get a, a game changing pass rusher there. You know, you're not going to, you're probably not going to get a really good cornerback there either i mean these are premium positions and i think this year it makes more sense for seattle to spend the money to keep the guys who have been there um than it is to you know to to go get uh someone in the draft i think it's just going to be really hard to do that yeah 
On a more general note to kind of wrap the season up, I always say that I'm you know, amazed that people tune in to listen to me and Stuart talk rubbish about a sport that we haven't got a clue what we're talking about. But, you know, to, to, to give them something back, I try and learn something during the year that I can say, you know, that's my conclusion from the season. You know, what have I learned from this season? And, and try and impart that, um, you know, as, as knowledge maybe. So I'll put you both in the spot to see what, what you, you guys may have learned from the last year. But if I had something, and this is something I never thought I would say, having quite like followed the analytics guys quite a lot and really come across to their side of the, of the game, but having watched Rashad Penny versus Alex Collins versus Travis Homer, hell, versus Chris Carson, I find it a really hard case to make that running backs don't matter. Um, they may not all matter, but some of them certainly do. And Rashad Penny struck me as one that really fucking mattered to the point where I'm making like a priority signing and I cannot believe I'm saying that. I think it was Joel Corey. I, I think he's one of the, he's on KJR quite often. Uh, like there's one of the cap guys who said, who tweeted that his, he thinks his contract's going to be like one or two years, $2 million. And that just seems wild. Like he's, he's, he's going to get paid. Like this team's, I mean, if the Giants manage to get rid of Saquon Barkley, circle the Giants for, to uh, reconnect in Rashad with his brother Elijah in 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 on the Meadowlands for one because sure. like because it just uh, he, he, yeah like he 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 was unbelievable but yeah, no the, the running backs matter in certain teams I think that one of those teams that still matter is the Seahawks because Alex Collins was infuriate, infuriating you, to watch you then, just especially when you saw what Rashad Penny could do over the last what month of the season. The difference in this offense when you go from Marshawn Lynch to whoever, when you go from Chris Carson to whoever, when you go and then and then you put a full strength Rashad Penny in there, it's you just you, you can't look at that honestly and say, yeah, running backs still don't matter. For some teams, they matter less. I could not agree with you more, Stu. And and some running backs don't matter like it is a fungible position absolutely some schemes are just going to get you running back production if you're an NFL caliber athlete but Rashad Penny is getting yards that other people just aren't getting mm. and that's that's the goal yeah yeah this this is the whole reason you pay him like you just show I think it's the someone posted up yesterday I think the uh, Houston Texans like all 22 just said Rashad Penny you just mm-hmm. if yeah. you anyone has a question why they're going to pay, or whoever paid Rashad Penny, it's that there's four or five runs against Texans. Yeah, it was like watching Jamal Charles run or something. It was it was just like you give him a window and he is gone, man. It was it was. What, weird. what about uh, what what about your two lessons for for the year? If you if you could um, take one thing from the 2021 22 season that you you've picked up that you didn't think beforehand, I'm, I'm fascinated to know. Uh, Jack, uh, Jackson Bevins is a maker's mark fiend. I don't know. Like I, 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 I text what uh, one of the friends of the show, Ben, a few weeks ago, saying I, I think it's kind of along your lines. I am. It's. I'm surprised how quickly I'm done with the quarterback of the team. Like Russell Carrington Wilson, I've I think I'm with you, Adam. I'm like if he leaves tomorrow, fine. I'm fine. Like it won't be fun watching this team with Drew Locke or Mitch Trubisky um in twenty twenty two. But yeah, I don't want him to leave. No, 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 I don't want him to leave. But if he left, it would take a lot less to get on board. I mean if Cov sold their best player tomorrow, it would be annoying and it'd be for a whole heap of reasons. But if Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson well, if Russell Wilson left, it's, it's, I think that's, the, that's a weird thing probably to pick out. It may be not answering your question how you want it to be answered, but I'm, yeah, I'm surprised by how easy it was to disconnect from the quarterback. I think that's super interesting. And, and I think there's a lot of validity to that, Stuart. I, um, I, I'm, I'm not there, um, by any stretch. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all the way across the river, uh, from you on that one, but I, but I get it. And Russell Wilson's annoying, man, but 
he's also almost entirely irreplaceable. Or yeah. Almost entirely. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, part of being a quarterback is more than just playing quarterback. Well, you're, you're the CEO of that team and he is a fucking awesome CEO. And the impact that he has in the community over here is crazy. Everything he's done with Seattle children's hospital. I was still visiting them every week, starting a, a charter school for underprivileged kids. Um, you know, trying to get involved in, <clears throat> in ownership of other sports teams. I mean, he's, he's pretty connected to this place and, and is a massive net positive. Um, I also just fun, you know, that's my view on it philosophically functionally. There just isn't a trade that makes this team better. There, there just isn't not, not in the next two years, unless, you know, maybe if you're getting Justin Fields and two firsts, I can maybe get on board with that, but that's not going to happen. I, I just, unless there's a good young quarterback coming back, I don't care how many first round picks you give me. I want Russell Wilson instead. So I just, I, you know, I, I don't want <clears throat> to see traded. And I know you guys don't either, but I, I would be pretty concerned if he did get traded barring some insane return. I, I just don't see a trade where I'm like, Oh yeah, that was the right move. It, it, I don't even think we'd be concerned. And I honestly, I think the community aspect is a crucial point that we've discussed at length kind of the difference in being a fan over here the timing sure. the time that the games are i think our disconnect from the, the last season come from the fact that six primetime games that finish at 5 30 in the morning when you invariably lose is fucking depressing like you we can be tired but to be tired and lose is really bad so we clearly don't get that <laughs> element of, uh, of the community, which is, is clearly a, a crucial part. Now, the perfume, right. I can't get on board with, but the community element, you know, is clearly something that we, we don't see that side of it. Uh, and, and that does have an impact. Yeah. Uh, Jackson, what was the thing you learned from the last Seahawks season? I, I have always been of the mindset that you – you win with studs. And if you have an opportunity to go get a stud, you go get the stud. And I think this year, especially with everything uh, last couple seasons with COVID and people missing games because of that, um, I'm prioritizing depth as a fan more than I ever have and really building out inexpensive talent. I think that is super, super important. So um, I, I would say that'd probably be my number one shift uh, as far as being a Seahawks fan is really understanding that you got to the next, the next man up has to be good. You just can't have these atmospheric drop-offs from your starters to your replacements. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that answer. Hmm. 100%. Yeah. Uh, spin in the bin quickly. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. Uh, it's been a few weeks. Um, I had someone, uh, Adam, do you want to start off? I can't, I can't remember. Yeah, controversially, I'm going to actually take someone out of the bin. And it's not someone that we put in there, but someone that I feel that football society put in there. And when I was watching the Super Bowl, and obviously he suffered a horrific injury during it, but I was so pleased for Odell Beckham uh, in the Super yeah. Bowl. Yeah, like, I love Odell. He was the best player on the field until he got injured. He went on a boat once in 2014 and unfortunately wankers like Skip Bayless were able to use that to, for me, basically portray an image of a guy that nothing he did since seems to suggest that. I mean, obviously you can go down the, the racial view, which is clearly part of it, of the hair and the tattoos that always oh, obviously not committed, <clears throat> uh, which is bollocks. And I was so thrilled for him to have, close to the game of his life in the Super Bowl. Obviously, the way it ended for him with the injury is tragic, and I hope it doesn't affect his, his future career. But I feel like there's a consensus, and Jackson, you may know better given that you're over there, but there's like a consensus on Odell that like he's just a cool guy now, and, and everyone can be very content that he was never a problem, and we can put that all to bed. And I, I thought that was a really quite touching moment from, from the big game. I loved it. That made me so happy. I mean, I was rooting for the Bengals for sure, but – when Odell went down, I, I almost switched. I, I was almost pulling for the Rams to, to get that from him. I, I cannot imagine the heartbreak he was feeling to finally get his opportunity, right? I don't think he ever played in the playoffs. And now he's got a chance with this team 
just with a really good quarterback on a really good team for once. And he balled out. I mean, he looked like one of the 10 best wide receivers on the planet. It was awesome because that's what he is. Yeah, totally. Um, on the Super Bowl, uh, whoever voted for MVP, um, it's Aaron Donald. Like, I think Jackson used used to for a few years, well, probably not this year, but with the NBA, if as every season LeBron plays, he should be the M- MVP because he's the best player. Yeah. The best player on the field in the Super Bowl took a while to show up, but when he did, he changed the game. He won the game. Aaron Donald was the MVP. Has absolutely nothing to do with me having financial interest in Aaron Donald winning the MVP. <laughs> but like, it, you, you it was both, over, overthought, you overthought. It was overthought, and it's just yeah, yes, Cooper Cup was good, but Cooper Cup was as non-existent in the Super Bowl for as long as Aaron Donald was. But yeah, it just yeah, it was yeah, Aaron, yeah. Aaron, Aaron Donald's forever the best player on the pit, the field for as long as he decides to play. And oh, those yes. like twelve hours, where it was a chance that he could not be there in twenty twenty two was. Um, enticing, but it just seems he's going to be coming back. Uh, anyone for you for the bin, Jackson? Yeah, I would like to put Major League Baseball in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> like baseball, uh, so so baseball was was my first love. It was the sport I played through college. I coached it in high school. Um, as soon as I got done playing for another four years, I love baseball. All I wanted to do in life was be involved with the, with that sport and the professional version of it. Just, it, it just is lagging so far behind the, you know, NBA and the NFL, which are infinitely cooler leagues. So much more fun to watch stars are so much more accessible. Um, we we understand who they are we know them we can recognize them and it sucks because baseball's got a ton of really exciting young players right now people that kids should be idolizing and and having posters of on the walls the way that i did growing up but baseball ownership is really really small-minded and they've taken a small-minded approach to basically just the player's not even asking for that much. They're asking for pretty small increases in guaranteed pay. And yeah, the guys at the very top get these enormous fully guaranteed contracts, but most, most players in the majors aren't millionaires and minor league players are poor. They're really, really poor. They make no money. They can't get qualified for a loan to buy a house because they're only getting paid six months of the year. And then they're literally, as far as like a bank is concerned, they've been fired from the team in the off season. Um, They're no longer considered employees. They make less than minimum wage. They get small per diems. The the players are just trying to make it better for the non-superstars and the owners aren't, aren't giving an inch. And, and the problem with baseball is that it isn't evolving. You have to evolve or you die. And the NFL's done it. The NBA's done it. They understand that the game has changed and they, the sport has changed with it. The leagues have changed with it. And baseball is still clinging to something that was the best a long time ago, but very clearly isn't anymore. And they're resistant to change. And this emphasis on these unwritten rules and like, you know, you can't celebrate after hitting a home run, or if you do, it better be really quick. And if you don't, we're going to throw a hundred mile an hour fastball into your ribs. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I, I hated that even when I was playing, you know, and, and baseball should, should be fun. If you want more kids to start playing it again, they should think of it as fun. And they've legislated all the emotion out of the game. And, and there's these old crusty vanguards that are just keeping the sport from being as cool as it should be. So I, just just throw them in the bin, fellas. Yeah. I mentioned this to you on Twitter, I think, when you brought this up a couple of days ago, but I just looked at Russell Wilson's career stats, and he has played 158 career regular season games. Okay. Now, every, every single one of those had a packed stadium, uh, was a week-to-week thing, but that's fewer games than an entire single baseball season. Right. If the, if the games don't matter... Like, I can't even watch... I think the Twitter video limit is two minutes, 20 seconds. That's way too long for me and my attention span. And, and that's the way the world's going. 
I, I can't see that anyone really has time for an 162 game season anymore. For me, like cutting the games in half and making the pitches the superstars and make every game really matter is the way it needs to go. But I appreciate that changes the America's pastime more than anything in the world. Ah, fuck America's pastime. <laughs> also, well, I, I text you talked about how NBA changed. I text one of my friends who's way more in tune with the, with NBA than I am. I was like, is Ja Morant going to win MVP? Just because every night he plays, the morning after I wake up and he's just throwing all sorts of shapes down and dunks and all sorts. He just seems like the most fun player in sport because the league packages in on 12-second highlights and 0.4-second buzzer beaters and all sorts. But it's what baseball don't do because... Otani won the MVP, but I couldn't tell you who won the other one. I couldn't even who won the other the conference division, whichever it's called, MVP, because it just isn't marketed over uh, here. Yeah, it's just it's yeah, it, it just seems like such an open goal. No, it's well, I, I think you are a perfect case study because you are what's happening in the NFL and in the NBA, and. Uh, but, but not with Major League Baseball. And there's no reason for that to be the case. Baseball's played all over the world, and football isn't. American football isn't. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's – I just think it's a, a, a travesty. I would love to see 100 games instead of 162, and that way you can have three-man rotations. So you've got, you know, you've got great pitchers going every night or most every night. Um, there's, there's a bunch of changes they can make. I would love to see a few more playoff teams to see – I'm with you on that. Yeah, uh, you jumped out a bit on that one, but I think uh, your point was um, picked up on. Uh, Yeah, I mean, Jackson, obviously we mentioned the podcast a couple of times. Apart from lacking some international guests, you know, it's up there with the best (laughs) in the business. Uh, Talk to us about it. And uh, it's your. I think it's the first year you've done it. So talk to the people about it and what you've done and uh, how it's come about and how that's going, because it's uh, it's it's an essential listen twice a week. Oh, man, I, I appreciate that so much. Y'all have been extremely good to me in that regard. And, um, and, and the respect is absolutely mutual and, and returned. So, yeah, Cigar Thoughts podcast, it is something that is born out of the articles, post-game articles called Cigar Thoughts that I've been writing about the Seahawks for the last 10 years. And uh, we finally decided to put it on air. And, and we've just been so incredibly blessed with the guests who have made the time to come on and give us really, really good content for an hour every week. Um, Mike Barwin, my producer, is insanely good at his job. It it really cannot be overstated the amount of effort that man puts into making me sound good, going through, scrubbing the audio, um, working really, really hard at the structure of the show, being meticulous about the equipment, all of that stuff all makes me sound so much better than I really am. So, um, a ton of credit goes to him, but yeah, basically we do. We talk a lot of process. Um, everyone knows the results. So we talk about how we got there and, and try and give it a little bit different perspective than what you're going to get from a lot of other Seahawks coverage. So we're having a really good time doing it. Yeah. Um, I, the last pod we had was Nick Bloron and, uh, Adam asked him to try and help us get one. Um, someone I think you're relatively close to is I'm going to ask you to, Help us get Mr. Danny Kelly on this podcast. Obviously, he does a lot of oh my God. unbelievable yeah. draft stuff ahead of the draft. So, uh, next time you're in a, a a group chat with him, let him know there's two I will. British yeah, idiots. If, if, you, if you can get him on with us, then we'll come on with you, Jackson. <laughs> can't say fairer than that. If that's if that's what it's going to take to get you guys, <laughs> I will try. I will try and make that happen. That would be that would be awesome. I mean, Danny's Danny's the best. He has been so fun watching his rise to prominence as one of the most respected, really one of the most respected voices and writers covering football right now. Um, It's been incredible to see, and it is the result of a lot of hard work that's gone on behind the scenes. Adam, I know you and I were texting about this, but, Mm -hmm. you know, one of those overnight successes, 10 years in the making, Danny, Danny's been put in the hours really, and not just hours, hours, with the focus of getting better, he does, and he's the man now. Yeah, uh, yeah. So if you want to get involved with all Jackson stuff, he's all on 
on the social media uh, at J A C O N B E S O N. S, what did I say? You, you missed out the S. I'm oh, not... sorry. Sorry. Jack, Jack on. It's a good effort. You spelled, it, you spelled it like bacon. You spelled yeah. my first yeah, name. Yeah, like I'm, 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 I'm hungry. I don't even know it's midnight. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, if you want, I know what the cigarette thoughts, everything is on there. It's, it's, as I've said before, I say quite often, it's, it's my go to after. Monday Monday mornings after the late the late Sunday games, but yeah, it's always the go to after a Seahawks game just to yeah try and yeah just be some reasoned and uh, yeah some, some of the best writing uh, out there, not just for the Seahawks but covering any team. And as ever, Jackson, we do appreciate your time uh, once again. It's just yeah, it's it's always a pleasure. That's awesome. I look forward to every opportunity I get to wrap it up with you guys so yeah. thank you very much and one more thing if you'd have come with me after the 49ers game you'd have seen um thomas rolls in a in cowgirls so that's something to well, remember for 2022 yeah. i i wish i could tell you i remembered what I <laughs> likewise but i think that that's probably a, a podcast in its own right that yeah. whole day i think we could uh, oh fill a two parts of three parts are on that one i reckon smokes, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, uh yeah if you have touch of evolve with the podcast, you can all use your means and methods, Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, uh, patreon.com forward slash the pedestrian podcast. Uh, yeah, I think that's everything. Um, until next time, this has been the pedestrian podcast. Go Hawks. <laughs> <laughs>